I am super excited to have Andrew Ferris, guy who has been around e-com a long time. I was told not to give the regular intro <laughs> here on Ad Creative. It's a really, it's been a pleasure. Him and I have been going back and forth trying to get this scheduled for a long time. I canceled, he canceled. So it's a real pleasure to finally make this happen. Andrew, thanks for being here and sharing your knowledge and wisdom today. My pleasure. Yeah. Is anybody else who has small kids like you and I both do will understand why yes. there were a lot of cancellations. We're yes. trying to make it happen and maybe even get a lunch involved in there somewhere. But yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna make it happen. We might just be eating like kids' food or something, standing yeah. around kids playing at some point. It's gonna be the playground. Yeah. Just so while one sn sneezes directly into the mouth yeah. of another, probably. Yeah. I'm gonna go through a little bit of the C V, but I would love just like a two liner, because obviously you're you're running a growth consultancy now where you work with a lot of DDC brands. Like what's the two liner on what you're doing now? And then I'll go through the old CV from there. It's going to be slightly more than two lines, but I offer three Let's services. Go. Yeah. One of them is like ongoing managed growth services for DTC brands where I run your ad spend, talk to you about how to grow your business and try to think beyond just Facebook ads to things like, Hey, when you grow, how are you going to finance your growth and all that kind of stuff as well that comes with that. Try to really help people get from point A to point B in a kind of fuller way. Number two would be like a more just like pure hourly consulting, like just think yeah. mentor pass, but it's just me. Yeah. And, and so I work with some where it's just coaching ongoing. I love that kind of work as well. Do some of that with founders, do some of that with agencies where agencies will say, Hey, can you just be an extra set of eyes on accounts of ours? And we can work with our work with my internal team and some of that. Yeah. That kind of stuff as well. I've actually found I really love doing that kind of stuff. And then I have a podcast, the Andrew Ferris podcast, creatively titled. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I'm working on at some point. I don't know, maybe I'll add some other outlets, but I'm trying to yeah. do a few things as well as possible instead of yeah. just expand to. Yeah a newsletter and social content and blah, blah, blah. So that's what, that's what I do. It's a lot. So if you guys don't follow Andrew on the bird, always amazing stuff. And that podcast every single time I, I do this thing, if you're watching the video, I'm looking up at the sky, but I'm doing it while I'm driving, which is probably not good, but it's because there's so many thoughtful things that Andrew pulls out of his guests or he shares himself. Yeah. I love that podcast. And we'll link in the show notes. Yeah, so not, but think, not recommended while you're driving to do it. No, no, yeah, because you're going to look up. Absolutely. Make sure that you're sitting down firm on the ground and you have some space because you're yeah, going to yeah. be a lot of knowledge bombs that are dropped there. Andrew, I'm going to talk through a little bit of the CV. I just want to know because it, what you're doing now makes a lot of sense from here. But obviously you were at Qualo. I'm probably saying that wrong. And Kalo. Yeah. Kalo. I know that. Yeah. I that we had a branded that. search ad for a long time where. Yeah. Because people would search Qualo so much, Q U A L O. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That we had a branded search ad for a long time. I'd still be there that said, it's actually yeah. Kalo, not Qualo, yeah. but that's probably our fault. It's funny how, like, we have, so we're just called Pencil, but our website is TriPencil, and then our Twitter is Pencil AI, and our two highest searches are like TriPencil and Pencil AI. And then when people come into sales calls, they're like, yeah, Pencil AI. I'm like, Pencil AI. <laughs> call what you want if you want to pay. I don't really care. Yeah, who cares? Uh, yeah, like you, you could call us uh, lapis if you want to. It's a Spanish version of, of pencil. I don't really care. So after Kalo, you you went to CTC, moved up ahead of growth, and then you went to 4x400, which is was part of the kind of that that yeah. that group. CTC ecosystem. Um, yeah, exactly. The ecosystem there. And you moved up from VP of growth to, uh, to CEO. What I know, like that business sunsetted, oh, like overall. But what made you also want to go out on your own? And what things did you learn from there that made you confident that you could go out on your own and be able to run your business? Yeah, just 4 for 100 actually isn't totally sunset yet. It's just that yeah. 4 for 100 is an aggregator 
And yeah. the initial hypothesis was like, let's acquire a bunch of pretty small brands, yeah. throw them all together. We were like, our targets were like sub 500,000 in revenue. Yeah. And often like sub 200,000 in revenue. Yeah. And try to grow them pretty fast. And what we came to eventually was there are a few problems with that business, but one of them that stood out was that like just one of the opportunities and one of the brands was just massively outsized relative to the other one. So it didn't make yeah. sense to keep pursuing all of these brands. And so it was like, so let's yeah. sell off the other ones and focus entirely on Bamboo Earth, the skincare brand. And yeah. so that brand is still going and it's technically yeah. still owned by 4 for 100 but, but yeah, there you go. So I ended up leaving there at the end of 2021 for a number yeah. of reasons related to some of it, just like I wasn't the right guy to take it to the next stage. And that was a really mutual decision. And then, yeah. and then also, and then also I didn't really want to be the CEO of a skincare brand focusing to, mostly on women. It's a great yeah. brand. I would love to give them some money to invest in it actually. But, but yeah, as far as like me being the person who runs it, it just wasn't really what I wanted to do. So all yeah. of those things together, as far as how I got going solo consulting, it was totally an accident. I like, I yeah. was just looking around, interviewing in a few different places, thinking about, do yeah. I want to go and be in-house at a brand? Do I want to go back to CTC? Like Taylor Holiday and I were talking about what that might look like. There are just all these yeah. different possibilities for things I would consider. And and while that was all happening, like I got one DM on Twitter from someone in a baseball company who who was yeah. like, hey, you might be a good fit for this for us and yeah. and in a contractor basis. And I said, I think I am. I'm a huge baseball fan. Yeah. So that was like a, yeah. an easy fit for me. It's actually a company like I'd known and loved for a while. So yeah. there's that. And then and then a couple others came at the exact same time that started doing some work right away with Simple Modern. And I just have Absolutely. a lot of stuff in common with and love those yeah. guys. And so that was another thing that just fell into my lap in just the exact yeah. right way. And suddenly I was consulting and yeah. I didn't know how long I would do that for if I would just kind of run out those contracts and yeah. and see how they went. And it ended up being like just an incredible fit for me. So I've stayed with it for now and don't necessarily have any plans to change. Oh, that's great. That's great. It's such a funny one when my my mom always says, I don't think this is an old, like a, a her only adage, but it's things find you when you're ready. Like the teacher appears when the student is ready. Same thing with opportunities. When you're ready and open, the things will appear. And then as you lean into them organically, they start tumbling from there. Yep. It's a really interesting one. It has happened to me yep. more times than I can count. And the older I get, the more I just do the old Bruce Lee, be water flow. Yeah. When you're younger, you're trying to control the universe a lot more. Now you're like, all right, I'm just going to, move forward and things are going to go the way they go yeah. working with all of these brands like what has been i think i would say rather than the easiest thing what's been the most challenging thing going from working in-house at agency and then four by 400 running those brands coming to hey i am trying to get these brands to move move the needle if you will Obviously, I'm talking the consulting side. When you're inside of the accounts, there's a little bit easier. I can just go and move dials and do the things that I need to do. Or has there not been much of a shift in how you approach moving the needle for companies? Uh, the most challenging, is that what you're asking? The most challenging? Yeah, yeah. what's the most challenging thing in terms of managing those relationships and, and that? Yeah. To be totally honest with you, it hasn't been especially challenging in yeah. the last year and a half in particular. And that is in part because one of the great beauties of getting to this stage in my career and being a solo freelance type guy is that I don't have to work with people I don't like. <laughs> I can fire them. It's awesome. Yeah. And so for me, like a big part of my consideration with where I'm at right now is that I am just a believer that various opportunities come with various levels of obligation. And they're all going to have some level of obligation that's, that's good and important, actually, in a working relationship to have 
some things you're obligated to, some outcomes you're obligated to, some, maybe just in simple terms, KPIs, basically, yeah. accountability. But I want to just be really careful about choosing my obligation. That was something yeah. that was a big learning for me out of 4i400, is understanding different levels of obligation really related to the structure of the business relationship. So it comes down to things like the cap table, create, obligate, how you think about invest, like raising money or not. So for me as a freelancer right now, I just would, I, I have enjoyed so much working with clients that I, that I like love to work with. I love, I like yeah. their businesses. I like them as people. And that makes it like really fun and easy. So of course there's little hiccups along the way. Not everything is a home run every time, but, but I would say that hasn't been particularly challenging. I would say if there's any one very specific challenge in there, it's that one of my clients mm -hmm. is on WooCommerce, which is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> you want hyper specific. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you want to laugh at something? So I put a tweet out, I don't know, like a month ago. It was just, I was, I'm, we're playing around with some integration stuff in house. And I wanted to just see if anyone, like what people would say, Shopify, Magento, WooCommerce, Squarespace. One of the commerce, one of the comments was, and I'm saying this verbatim. So if my dad is listening to this, forgive my swear word. Who the fuck is on WooCommerce? Literal yeah. comment. Yeah. So I DM them like, what's wrong with WooCommerce? Like, you know, I don't know. I've only ever built anything on Shopify, kind of part of that ecosystem. He's like, it's just terrible. That's all he's, it's just not intuitive. It's really clunky, like breaks all the time. Yep. That's exactly it's, right. Yeah. And yeah. the lack of the Shopify app ecosystem around it and just all of the Shopify firepower yeah. around it is just yeah. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. The moats that they built around that business are, are pretty, pretty impressive, which I think I yep. want to talk to you about a little bit later in terms of building moats. So I'm going to step back. We just, I just did a tactical question. How did, how does one become and get the ability to do this? And I don't mean just like the technical things, because there's a lot of I would, for lack of a better term, shit you put yourself through to be able to essentially build the metal to be able to handle this level of client, these level of positions at great agencies and aggregators. It, where did that start? Is that something that's been there from a long time? You said you like baseball, so I'm sure you played baseball. Is that something that came from sports? Like, where do you attribute that ability to take things to the next level and not get stopped and, or roadblocks get in your way? I asked Sean McGinnis a question the other day when I was hanging out with him, who was the COO for a while. I think that was his title at Kuru Footwear. I just yeah. left there mid, mid eight figures, I think something like that. I don't know for sure, yeah. but something like that footwear brand DTC. And I asked him the other day, he, I asked him like, what are you great at? And he said, I'm great at, at building teams and managing people, basically hiring and, and building like team leadership, basically. Yeah. And I said, how did you get great at that? Or yeah. Or I said, what made you great at that? And he said, practice. It was like, I was expecting like something more tactical and, but he just immediately said practice. And yeah, I think it was a really helpful answer to me because it just is a reminder of something that I believe, but can easily lose sight of, which is that yeah. there is just no substitute for reps. Like I, I think now when I actually, when I started freelancing and I went back into the agency world, did some freelancing on behalf of CTC, basically they yeah. white labeled me essentially. And I had a, client there who was challenging in some ways and my my ability to interact with that client then versus four or five years earlier when i had actually been a strategist at ctc was just like night and day different like the human side of it as well as the account like both the work itself and the like human side when you're in an agency or in the hospitality business that's a taylor holiday is <laughs> that i think is really true part of it is like dealing with the person 
So you have to solve the account, but then you also have to solve the entrepreneur that you're dealing with. You have to solve the client. Mm-hmm. And they're two, they're two different problems. And I like just got so like a mix of actually more confidence in the account, maybe more confident with the client. So, but there's just, there was no way for me to get there five years earlier. It was not going to happen. I just had to do those things. And I think there's this building of intellectual capital and what I would call like experiential capital as well, where you generate over time the ability to weigh and evaluate your past experiences, your present moments against your past experiences, the more that you do that. So to me, like the buildup of that kind of capital ends up generating for you uh, opportunity and skill and all those kinds of things. There's a couple other things that I would say, though, that are probably worth saying, which is just that, like, I do think I'm naturally wired towards towards this kind of line of work in a couple different ways. So there's that. I think that good upbringing is an advantage. Probably had advantages in school and all those things. It's just worth, I think, citing all of that really good family, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I would say along the way, it's, those should get proper credit, right? Because it can be easy yeah. to overlook the sort of advantages you come into the game with. Yeah. And then I would say along the way. The other thing is I've had incredible friends and like business partners yeah. who have who I've been able to work like bounce ideas off of in real time, which ends up being another way to evaluate that sort of intellectual and experiential capital. Mm-hmm. Having those like brothers in arms type people or sisters in arms as the case may be to to evaluate experiences with process experiences with analyze experiences with ends up generating, I think, better outcomes for me. That's been yeah. Taylor Holiday has been the key one along the way. He and I have worked together since my time at Kalo. We actually went to junior high together, but yeah. we connected in Kalo and all that. Dave Recook has been a guy like that for me where like we just constantly talk about this sort of stuff. There's yeah. other guys along the way too yeah. who have been those kinds of folks and some clients and some of those things. Yeah. One of my current clients is CEO where we just talk business and that's been helpful. Yeah, yeah There's others too. Yeah, but th- those things really help because then I can actually turn the experience around in my mind and evaluate it from new angles and those sorts of things. And that that's really helpful. Yeah. There's a few things like if I sum that up, it's really fascinating. I think way to look at it is you can go and push yourself to watch every YouTube video in the world, but until you've gone through something of a handful of times, like it doesn't really, it won't really matter to you, right? You can sit there and recite the theory. But how does that actually apply to when do- like dollars are on the line or whatever your currency is? I think that's a really yeah. Well, so there's a distinction yeah. I think between understanding and learning an idea and then actually developing internal conviction about it to where it actually gets into your gut. Yeah. And so you can learn that you should do X, Y, and Z in certain situations. But I think one of the things that like experience does is it takes that knowledge bit and allows you to like more fully integrate it into your belief system about how the world works. And that could be, obviously, that could be something as big as what you believe about God, but that could be something as small and simple as like how you manage an ad account. So to me, there's all these ideas that float around, but something about the combination of getting around good ideas with good people and and then running those through the lens of your experience and being able to combine all those things up ends up developing that sort of stuff for you. 100 for me, it's, no, I think this is 100% the case. I can speak for myself. I didn't know anything about B2B SaaS until I came to Pencil, took a bunch of courses, all the best courses on this, all from all the best operators in space and PLG, et cetera. So I had all the ideas and had a great team, but until we went through the fire of going through all of it, it didn't really catalyze all the frameworks and also make the frameworks that made more sense for what I do, what I know actually is meaningful to this business, because every framework you have is a general It's a generalist framework. It's not something that's going to apply to a specific business set, how you monetize, all of those things. I think the people component 
I don't want to say it gets discounted, but I can't tell you how much like net worth is net is your network. This is a kind of another adage you hear regularly, but how actually important it is both because you can grow your businesses, but on the other side, you can grow yourself because you have people who will push you, challenge you and not accept when you just say something that's the truth and push you. Even if they think you're right, they're going to say, what about, what about this? Have you thought about it from X, Y, Z angle? I had someone the other day, good friend, that I said, you know, this, and he goes, that is utter horseshit. And by the way, he was <laughs> completely right. He was completely right. I said, well, think about it from this yeah. way. I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh, I always say loose. I have strong opinions, loosely held. Like I, I'm very, ex I'm excited to be wrong. And yeah, I really, yep. yeah, I really, I really dig all of those frameworks. I think anyone who's listening should step back and make sure that they take note of that stuff. You can get that in a lot of different places, but one of, this is one of my constant, like really practical ways that mm. this plays out is if you're early career, one of the most common pieces of advice I give, if you're in e-commerce is try beat the door down to go work at an agency because an agency is going to, by definition, expose you to a lot of reps across a lot of different businesses. Yeah. And that will allow you to build up a bigger well of experiential capital yeah. than yeah, like when I see people who have been successful in one business, I think that is awesome. And I am yeah. for them. It's really hard. And they learn, you learn a lot by going heads down and focus in one place. But I also yeah. wonder how much people, those folks can over extrapolate from their experience out to other businesses when actually other businesses work pretty differently. And it can be for me, like, when I see people who have, who've been able to see different experiences across a lot of different places, and especially if you can build those relationships while you do it, yeah. which by the way, one of, one of the types of relationships you build in an agency is you build it with clients. And so that actually expands your network to your point, yeah. Chase, that like, yeah. that you end up having all these people who now want to hire you at some point or whatever, yeah. when you're ready to go try your next thing yeah. uh, and all that. So yeah, I think like the ability to pile up reps across a lot of different stuff is just something yeah. valuable. And if you could do that also with people that will be in it with you, man, you can make a lot of value out of that. I think what you're saying, one thing I think is super important if you drill down on that a little bit is no one talks about this very often. And I, for me, it has been the most useful skill I've learned over my career. And I'm a pretty good talker by nature, but there's a way to talk to people as well that can help them understand. So you were talking about how you had to relearn some of this stuff and you wouldn't have been able to, but because of your experience, the, the experience plus the reps again, opened up how you're going to be able to go forward. Having the ability to know how to sell, by the way, this is not, let's close a deal. This is how do we sell that this report is the right thing, or this strategy that we're going to present is the right thing. You already have the money landed from this person, but between say renewal dates, there are all these canyons of faith that cause like you have to build bridges for people to cross. And so that ability to have the reps that you have to practice this, because for instance, you have an e-commerce brand. Okay. You send out your email flows. The great operators are talking to their customers regularly. A lot of people, this is a side gig. They don't have time to get with customers. Maybe they read a couple of their post-purchase stuff, but they're not in the weeds. When you're in an agency, unless you're really back at the house, like say on a BI team, you are always talking to customers. You're always dealing with them. And so I, there's nothing more valuable than getting feedback from your customers. And the quicker those feedback loops turn around, the better you're going to get at answering for them but also the better your business is going to get. So it's it, like, it seeds both things. Rising tide lifts all boats. So you're, you as a person and as a business of say Chase, Andrew, that becomes a stronger business, but also the business of say CTC or 100 or Pencil, for instance, those all lift as well. 100% agree with you. It's I worked at an agency when I was early in my career as well. And it was yep. super helpful learning how to deal with internal teams because all the people have different opinions, but also 
how to deal with external teams and communicate. So I completely agree. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah. Yep. So I did want to step back also a little bit before Kalo. So I think there's something really interesting here. You were a pastor and I grew up, my mom is a, as a pastor as well, is the ability of pastors to communicate and connect with right. people is a completely, it's a very unique thing. By the way, we've all seen pastors who are very, they're the theological pastor. They're not great at communicating with people. Having spent this, this 25, 30 minutes with you, I don't think that was you. And so do you attribute any of kind of your ability to communicate and some of the things that you're able to do within this community specifically or your life to having those reps? Because we're talking about reps as yeah. well. Yeah. So that's my first question. I have another dovetail off of that, but I'm curious how that yeah. experience shaped you and what it's been able to affect in your life going forward from there. Sure. Yeah. Actually, I, I was and am really interested in what I'd call like academic theology and yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. And I do think that has mattered for me in the sense of I, it's theology. I went to school for theology and then for New Testament studies. And yeah. there's like a language element of that. I learned New Testament, New Testament's written in Greek. And so I learned New yeah. Testament Greek and, yeah. and all those things. So there's this in that kind of work and in that kind of thinking, there's, it's just really conceptual. It's really highly conceptual stuff. And so working through ideas carefully and trying to think really carefully about what's true and what's false in the world and, and how to shape how texts speak to people and all of that when you're interpreting the Bible or really lots of other kinds of reading and thinking, whether you're working through a great books program or whatever, you're trying to work through big ideas that matter yeah. to the way people live and think. And and so for me, I, that has really been helpful to me because I think that one of my beliefs about like marketing, for example, is that it is fundamentally an idea driven thing that, that you're constantly coming back to ideas about people and products and businesses and all this stuff. And if you can get your head around certain concepts and ideas, and even some of it comes down to like carving out for yourself what I would almost call like dogmatic positions about different things, by which I just mean like convictions that you can then work from and apply in specific ways. So broad convictions and broad beliefs that you can work from and apply in specific ways. Yeah. That has that has been really, yeah, I think a really useful thing to me. I also yeah. think that there's, if I, my own self-assessment, if I'm honest, I think that one of my best skills is teaching and it's one of the most useful things I can do. So like I mentioned earlier, I love coaching people. I had a coaching call yeah. yesterday where somebody said like, how do I forecast? And my answer to that question starts with, let's talk about what you're trying to accomplish on an e-commerce PL and how you get... Yeah. To there and then work backwards from that idea towards like how a forecast plays into that and why it matters that you understand how these things break down and how the percentage of your revenue that gets chalked up to marketing spend changes relative to new customers and returning customers over time blah blah, blah. i was working through all of this kind of stuff and and i just found myself like i was like in heaven having this conversation because i just love working through the ideas with people i love explaining it. i love i always compare it to i love having I have this, it's like, I have this ball of knowledge in my hands yeah, and I can, yeah. I have the ball right here yeah. and I could, I just find the process of handing that ball of knowledge to somebody else and then watching mm -hmm. them receive it and take it and get it and internalize it even, which the analogy breaks down there. I don't know, maybe they eat the ball of knowledge, but whatever that happens there, the, that process is just addicting yeah. to me. I just yeah. love it. And so, yeah, so I, I don't know about people skills and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. that's probably useful to some degree. I've spent a lot of time around a lot of people. I'm just a super yeah. extrovert. I love people and yeah. all that stuff too. But yeah, for me, it's, that's been a really helpful mm -hmm. thing. I, 
I actually have said to a number of, I thought a lot of times, like if I was running an agency now, I would just be like, bring me all of your humanities majors. Give me all the English and philosophy and theology majors you can come up with and history majors who are working through ideas because I want idea people around. And it's fashionable to hate on that kind of that whole element of college because it's expensive and it maybe doesn't pay off or whatever. But I'm like, no, give me all the idea people. I even I'll get really specific here. I even think that a lot of businesses think wrongly about what kind of person they need to hire on the creative side of their business, at least in performance marketing, that the instinct always is to hire art major types to go like create creative for them. Because you think of it as a visual medium generating images and videos that sell products. I think the, the I think first and foremost that you need Essentially, you want people who like loved to write persuasive essays. That's what you yeah. want. You want English majors and philosophers and people like that who who's who are just like love the idea of taking an idea and drilling it down and getting it across yeah. to somebody else. That's the kind of person I want running my ads, yeah. at least my creative doing my briefing and then hand it to an art person to make it yeah. look and all and yeah. interesting and get creative and all that. Yeah. But but first and foremost, like communication of marketing principles and, and of, especially I'm like heavily performance marketing guy. Yeah. For me, it's first and foremost about like, how do you take and develop an idea and communicate that in, a, in whatever medium you have to communicate it? And that might be a landing page, that might be a PDP, yeah. that might be a video ad, that might be a still ad. But either way, like it's about the ability to communicate that idea. So yeah, I think so. That's a long-winded answer, which I'm prone to, but, but I do. I think it has been helpful. Mostly that exercise of working through ideas, trying to understand what's true and what's false, trying to evaluate ideas and then communicate those ideas to other people. I think that process is really useful for almost anywhere in life and certainly in marketing. Yeah. The funny thing you mentioned there about humanities majors, et cetera, is this is, again, we're talking about dogmatic things. This is something at my core belief. A creative person can learn quant. I don't know if a quant person can learn creative because it's a feel thing. Quant. Yes. There are people who have a more quanted, like they could, their compute, their compute power is better. But for instance, I'm a, my undergrad was in screenwriting. So I didn't come from quant, but there is a certain amount of math that goes into screenwriting, right? You're sitting there, okay, how do I make this? I need to make this script as 140 pages into 110 pages with the exact same amount of outcome. What do I cut? Okay, let's start going and, you know, working through this. People always laugh at me. They're like, I got your email and your email is very short and to the point. And then I talked to you and you are like the least to the point person I've ever met. You're saying you're being verbose. Oh, I can talk forever, (laughs) but it really is just about, is about those reps and how you look at language and how, so everything I write is very staccato, for instance, right? I try to look in like, how do I, how can I write this in the least amount of words? Similarly, you have to distill ideas down. It has been a huge boon for me in all of marketing activities is how do I drill down to the thing because I have to get there as efficiently as possible. On the other side, every single thing that I do that is math related, I taught myself. And so it was through YouTube videos through just literally sitting there and watch like watching videos about Excel through going and pulling forecasts from online and just playing around with them. And so, yeah, for instance, my wife is in finance. She'll come and help me like, Hey, how do I actually make this efficient? So it's not my equal sum, this kind of really janky formula. She'll teach me all the cool stuff, but I do agree completely on that side. Companies generally really quant because that makes them comfortable. But you need people who are going to seed ideas and look at things from a different lens because you can layer on quant that I'm not saying it's not hard, but it's a much easier thing to do than actually finding true wells of creativity. Yeah. And yeah. And the truth is that like e-commerce quant is not that hard. Like you don't you need to have a sense of how numbers 
how numbers communicate reality, I think that, that kind of thing, but at least in, at least for e-commerce operators, because I'm the same way. Like I, I first got into e-commerce in part because Taylor Holiday and I were in a fantasy baseball league together. And he was like, yeah. Hey, you're good enough with numbers to be, and you're strategic in a way that you'd be good at, you'd be good at media buying. And that's right. Like you, you just don't need to be a true quant to, to handle a Facebook ads dashboard or to build an e-commerce forecast. You just don't. And if you have that skill, great. I've watched, I have a client right now who comes from an accounting background, Sarah Moray from Curie. Yeah. She's an accounting background and she's spent time as a VC. Like when I showed her like, Hey, here's some, a forecasting tool I use. She had it done in an hour. Like it was just like yeah. everybody else is just beats their head against the wall. Cause they just hate doing that work. And she was just like, this is the greatest thing ever. So there's people yeah. who are more adept at it. Right. But it's, but you're right. Like it's, you don't actually need that. You can teach yourself a lot of things. And if you just have a basic under idea of, of how some numbers work, you can get pretty far and develop yeah. quite a bit because you're just, you're not, it's not calculus. Like you're just not, yeah. it's not that hard. The bigger challenge I find with numbers and e-commerce in particular and a D2C in particular, the bigger challenge that I see is that people have a harder time with that first part, which is thinking through the ideas that the numbers communicate and working through what is actually true about how the world works relative to these numbers. And yeah. And that, and is that I think the, is, that's is the is, battle is, online, right? Is people to, totally. arguing about the definitions of what the numbers are communicating? Because it really comes down to what is your source of truth of where you pulled that information that becomes the bedrock of how you look at business, right? Because people, yep. not everyone has an accountant there that's doing it with them or a CFO that kind of they have built something. They're just doing it themselves. And then they feel very strongly about how they, this is the whole ROAS discussion that is never ends, attribution that never ends. Sorry, I interrupted you, but I, I completely agree. I, I think that's exactly right. That, yeah, they, that those conversations end up going round and round because people can't like agree. It's actually the idea underneath the number. It's not really the yeah. number itself. Yeah. Oh, I had a, I had an editor back in the old film days and he always said, look, if you get a note, it's not about the note. It's what's underneath the note. And you got to dig and you got to be willing to actually have the conversation or spend some time quietly to figure it out. And by the way, every good thing, like when a number spikes, just using pencil as an example is because like you sit there and you're like, what about this? And then you go find another number that supports maybe a new hypothesis that you've created. You say, okay, let's go a level deeper and a level deeper and a level deeper. And I can tell you my top 10 successes over the last three years have all been predicated on looking at a note and then going a level deeper. And then that fans out into 10 different things. And you're like, oh my God, what did I do to myself? I'm going to be doing this for the next two days straight. But the outcomes far exceed the amount of time that you put into it. But when you're moving quickly, you just say, oh, I believe this. I believe that I'm going to move forward. And you get through your days. But you're not actually, the impactful stuff is when you really dig down and question kind of everything that you're doing. I'm, there's this exercise my brother always talks about in engineering school that they do is just like a why tree. So you just keep saying why. And even if you're at the end, you keep saying, why am I at the end? Is this actually the end? And if you're saying this is the end, then what does it mean if you're at the end? And you yeah. keep going down the line. Him and I have done this just on personal things, but also when we have a business problem, if I say I have a business problem, he says, oh, you want to do the why tree? And I'm like, do you have an hour? And always at the end, you come to, oh, okay, I see it now. But it's because you questioned yourself. I think this is, if I had to say anything like on this topic in general for anything, but I think e like, I don't want to like paint with a negative brush, but e-commerce tends to be very, like you said, dogmatic and very like, self-assured about the beliefs is don't just take something for certain, like really question yourself. Don't say my Shopify dashboard is this way and it works. My triple L dashboard is this way and it works. Pencil says this and it works trust no one, like literally trust no. no one. 
I remember, I'll tell you a story and then I want to hear what you think about this. I was at, when I was at a previous company, we had a bunch of data scientists, like a whole team. They'd built a dashboard and like, I just, and I didn't believe it. And this person was brilliant, like way smarter than me. So I go in and I take all of the Excel sheets out of the dashboard for the last two years. And I'm a noob at Excel at this point. And I just start clacking away, clacking away. I spent two days doing this. So like, it was not a good use of my time in terms of that, but I proved her wrong. And she was like, how did you figure that out? I'm like, I spent two days doing it. She's like, why did you spend two days doing this? This would have taken me 90 minutes to accomplish. I'm like, because you never would have taken the 90 minutes to do it because you believe that it was true because you ran your SQL queries and I ran my really janky versions of them and then had to do everything manually. What that taught me is even if someone is brilliant and you see, you, like, you see yourself, I, I bow to your brilliance, it really just comes down to the work, which kind of comes down to one of our kind of core things at the beginning, which is reps really matter. And so she built a dashboard really quickly because someone asked her to and it was a throwaway because it's not something we looked at every day but it needed some TLC and every single thing in your business, unfortunately needs TLC. You just got to be able to bucket it in a certain way. By the way, this is like true in life. Yep. I was listening to Jay Shetty the other day and he's like, look, love for instance, even needs to be watered, right? You can't expect your relationships, whatever they are, friendships, business partnerships, obviously marriage, or if you have a partner, all of these things need to be watered. Same thing with your business kind of core things that you're digging into. Yeah. I find it like you have to be willing to ask yourself those questions. Yeah, 100%. That's, it comes back to the comment earlier that just like being able to do that while layering on experience, while doing that with people around you who will help you actually do that well ends up being the pathway to creating meaningful understanding of a concept and internalization of a concept as opposed to yeah. just like flying along, hoping, yeah. hoping everything is working right. Yeah. I had a really random one. I don't know why I want to ask this now. What is your right. baseball team? Angels? Oh, I'm, a, I'm a Dodgers guy. I'm, oh. I, Grew up in Orange County, but uh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah no, I'm a big, I'm a Dodgers fan. Yeah. yeah I, I would say I'm less attached to a team as much these days as I was before, but first yeah. I'm a Dodgers guy. Yeah. The only reason I'm attached to the Padres at this point is because we actually are winning. And so it's very nice. And we spend a lot of money on yeah. players. We had a nice 20 yeah. years dry spell of just horrible. There was a couple, there's two good years in there, but besides that, it's been brutal. It's been brutal. So yeah. I want to get into a few other things, but in terms of let's go, let's go talk about meta a little bit. What has your feeling been recently, say over the last six months about performance that you've seen? Do you think brands are starting to come back more? I have data on this that I have a pretty strong opinion on, but do you feel like meta has gotten across the line on some of the challenges that they were having, say in 20, end of 2021 into 2022? Do you feel like that's changed or do you, are you still seeing people trying to diversify in a meaningful way? Yeah, I think med ads is almost completely back to where it was before. Mm -hmm. This was always the bet to make, right? It's just worth too much money to meta to not solve the problem of how to handle yeah. tracking. It's just, there's yeah. way too strong of a financial in incentive for them to not figure out some way to do this. And the number I've heard batted around a little is that not that long ago, they were at like 15% signal loss. Of course, when I was 14, first rolled out in April, 2021, that it was, that number was like 80% or whatever. It's like some yeah. massive number. So signal loss in their data was down to 15% that they solved. And, but then the most recent update I had heard was eight, was 8%. Yeah. And that's just a lot smaller and they'll probably keep yeah. chipping away at it. So I suspect it's very good and getting better. In my estimation, this is part of why I think like, the, like, you don't really need an attribution tool the way that people think about it. Yeah. I just think that like 
in general, if you're running your ads on Facebook, click ROAS, Meta, click ROAS, yeah. you basically have that as a really strong source of information for what you're yeah. trying to do. And yeah. as far as I'm concerned, like that, the performance, the ability to generate, to perform and to give you reasonably, at least directionally close enough analytics mm. is really strong. Yeah. So I, I'm a, I like, I've never thought the idea of diversifying away from meta made much sense. Yeah. All of the other platforms have the same problems. And so it's, it's weird to me to say, go spend your, it's still the best opportunity in the yeah. world for growing an e-commerce business for most brands. I've recorded an episode at some point called don't diversify your Facebook. Ads. Yeah. It's just like, stop trying or don't diversify your ad spend. It's just stop. You know, go take advantage of this incredible opportunity to generate yeah. traffic that generates revenue for your business. If you can do it well, the opportunity is massively outsized. Is that what you think too, Chase? Yeah, obviously I had, God, over the course of from when iOS hit to probably over the last say six months. So about it, like 15 months worth of conversations where people were telling me, cause like we plug in directly to meta and all the data that we pull is from meta. So we have a TikTok integration as well, but that's a little bit new. Like it's less long in the tooth. The meta relationship is from day one. We've had that. And I told them literally verbatim what you said, which is it's two, it's their number one source of revenue. They literally have to stop doing everything to fix this or the company will not cease to exist, but it will not be a top 50, top 25 company in the world like it has been and a juggernaut like it has been. This is the cash cow. Same thing as Google with search. There is nothing else that they do that makes them money at this level. So it has to be done. Like they're, they're focused on metaverse. I'm like, okay. And it loses enough money and the stock goes down enough and it will be dropped. I'm right again. And they will focus on it. And obviously I'm sure we all know engineers and people inside that we talk to and they're like, yeah, we got to fix it. We're fixing this. It's working in the same set. I had that. We're at the sub 10 signal loss is what I've been getting as well. But directionally, I have not heard anyone complain. And it's funny because the same people who will say, go do TikTok ads are like, yeah, Facebook's back. It's like, dude, it never left. You just, we also, I always say this to people from say 2008 to 2021. So like a 13 year period, we got addicted to data. And before it was, you run ads or you're doing out of home or whatever you're doing. It's kind of like we see that the numbers are going up. And so we just trust that it's working. Yeah, there are lift studies and different things that they did with the radio and television, but none of them were a hundred percent accurate. You just trusted that if the number goes up in the geo specifically, the ad is working. If it's not now, obviously there's a few mechanisms they can do now with QR codes and other things that they can do, but essentially you just had to trust. We got addicted to the data. VCs got addicted to the data. We all, it makes us feel good. And I think I, we were talking, I was talking to somebody the other day, we talked about there's like an army of optimizers, right? We all sit and try to turn dials rather than let things breathe. Old days, you just had to let things breathe. Even early days of e-commerce, you kind of let things breathe because you didn't really know that you could turn the dials and be a mad scientist. Short answer, yes, I never believed that it was going to go away. It was too big of a problem just on their balance sheet to not take care of. Like just... First principles, that is the first thing that you would think of. Second thing is, it's just the best targeting system and best algorithm that yeah. there is. Like legitimately, legitimately yeah. overwhelmingly, no one has figured it out. You, now you're hearing about all the negative things about TikTok's algorithm right now. Yes, they'll find it. And they can still juice performance. But I hear I've had a lot of signal. I've been working a lot of Reddit stuff about this, how people are having really negative experiences now because they're just getting a lot of negative content that's not fun anymore. And so they have to retool. 
Now, this is what I always say is like the bell curve of innovation and the bell curve of all channels. Early people come in, stuff is really good. You go up. Now all the, the late stage people come in and then the platform starts to degrade and the team has to retool. So TikTok will be back, by the way. There's too much money on the line for them not to be. But you're not going to tell me that the incumbent who is now fully vested in figuring this thing out to make sure that their, that their earnings reports look good is not going to figure it out. It's just not, it's not possible. There's too much money on the line. So yes, yep. we are compadres on this. Yep. yep. Yeah. So I know we're close to the end. I usually ask a few questions towards the end and they're like, I always call it like anti-rapid fire. So, okay. All right. Great. <laughs> Good to know. Because um, yeah, I don't like to ask questions that have short answers. I don't give short answers. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? What's the best piece of advice I've ever received? I think, let's see, man, I'm so bad at rapid fire or anti-rapid fire. We'll add, uh, I can edit, so it's not, I, no worries. Of course. Yeah, yeah. What's the best piece of advice I've ever received? Okay, I think some of the best advice I've ever received is, I don't know who I've gotten this from, but it's something I've heard for a long time from a lot of people that I think is true, and that is to pursue the expansion of joy in your life above. Yeah, this is the answer. Okay, I have an answer. The answer is that that all humans all the time are in pursuit of self-interested joy, that everything we do, it's inescapable. You're always self-interested. That's not a negative or a positive thing, that, that we're always going to be interested in maximizing our joy and that you should recognize that and you should do it and look for how you actually maximize your joy in life. And so for me, I would say, I believe the way to do that is in God actually. And then, and then in, and then love for one another as well. And that sounds trite maybe, but I actually, I think if you press into that idea that it actually yields incredible possibilities. So I just think like the compounding joy in my life from my wife and boys is just it, the potential of joy that those things can deliver in my life is so much higher than almost anything else yeah. that, yeah, that it's like worth trying to pursue those things. Not that I'm like the perfect yeah. husband and father or anything like that. And that I don't make mistakes and overprioritize work and all the things that everybody else does. Yeah. But, but yeah, I would say that's the thing. I, I always think for people that it's good to actually recognize that in life and to seek, to seek out joy as best as possible. That will lead you into surprising places because a lot of things that promise you joy actually don't deliver that. Oh, I 100% aligned on that. I don't think you, I heard something the other day, which is you can't truly love something until you love something more than yourself. And you can't find joy from those things until you love something more than yourself. And just being a parent, and again, this is not to say if someone doesn't have, they, they don't love things. I think it's like, True love and true joy come from these seeding, especially what you talked about, seeding your power and your control over something allows you to actually be completely engaged and involved and find a new meaning in life. So I think that's, yeah, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. It makes the next yeah. question well, I mean, feel really small too, by the way. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, no, you had a little, you had a follow up. I was going to say, I think people, the parenting thing is a good example. There's incredible amounts of cost parenting. Like my life is just like drastically less free in terms of time, yeah. and sleep and all that stuff. But yeah, the return, the joy return on investment of parenting is just yeah. through the roof. And I think it'll only get bigger. My, my boys are three and one. And so yeah. 
Uh, Dude, so yeah, there's incredible amounts of cost, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. And I think that'll lead you to surprising places. Like, I think this ends up being a really good argument in favor of generosity and yeah. generosity. And what I mean is it's a self-interested argument in favor of generosity. You should be generous, not only because it helps the world get better, but it's not altruism, like in the sense of you should be generous because you'll actually receive a higher joy return on your dollars by being generous, yeah. I believe. And people will say that, but I think the challenge is that is actually true. It's, if you start chasing that thought down in your life and really evaluating things relative to their uh, yeah, return on joy or joy yeah. return on investment, something ROJ. then I, it will lead to, yeah. yeah, it'll return to, yeah. it'll, I think it'll lead to surprising places for people. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I think one thing, if you said, if you were turning the interview around on me, you said, Chase, what do you do? I, like, I'm obsessed with connecting with people and it's really just predicated on, I'm really always interested in learning from people and I want to also share. And so if I have something that I can share with them, I want to do those things. And so friends, I, one of my biggest joys is connecting people, whether they're in different industries, different yeah. Because I love that. I, yeah. I just love helping people get to where they want to go because I know how hard all of this stuff is. And life is hard enough without having people grease the tracks. There's that old saying, when you get to the top, you know, or some summit, send the elevator back down for the next generation or the next group of people, wherever they are. And the ability to do that and the multiple arms. Someone the other day said, I, I was helping them with something. I'm getting paid for it. They just sent me a few things. He said, I love you, man. And I was like, dude, like it's so... Every single thing, all the time I put into it is worth it. It's okay. Mentorship opportunity. It doesn't, not everything has to be a transactional thing, but what you're saying is, look, it's okay to do it because it makes you feel good because the multiple yep. that stands out from there also in your personal life in your business life is huge. I'll give you a fun one. Yeah. I, I just, I've lost like 30 pounds over the last few months. Nicely and done, man. That's really yeah, hard work. Yeah. Good job. I just didn't, I just didn't eat food, but well, really it was, it was predicated on now I see how much I was carrying other things on me. And the idea is how can you find things that help you as a forcing function, force other good things out into your life. And so like, you just got to keep watering those seeds as much as possible because it will, I don't know, the whole body keeps score thing. Bad things always come out, but good things always come out as well. Um, and I know we're over time, but the last one I have for I'm, you. No, I'm is, good on time. Whatever okay. works for you. I don't want to cool. do so long for you. I have one, yeah. one more, okay. which is we talked about it a little bit. I think there's obviously the tactical, hey, go work at an agency. If you were talking to someone, say it's 20 year old or 21 year old, which I'm sure you, you do regularly, what would you tell them about their career? And forget marketing, like marketing aside, like if they wanted to just say, hey, look, Andrew, you have a career that I really respect and a life that I really respect. How can I you know, have something similar or my version of that? What would be your kind of your way of presenting that to them? Yeah, I think I'd say two things. One of them is the, the people thing is actually probably the first and foremost thing that the more you can surround yourself with high quality people, I don't know, what's the expression? Something like you become the... Yeah, the five the, people you hang around most is who you Right, yeah, about. exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's like completely true. It uh, is and true. You know, even to, to bring back the, the comment that I just made, are those people who are actually experiencing deep soul satisfying joy in their life and if so that's a good indication that they're good people to be around and so that yeah that would be a, one of the things i would think about a lot is people but then but then i also would say in some ways that i reject the question in the sense that there's actually not anything i can do probably to impart to somebody anything that will rush because of the experiential capital thing that will rush their ability to uh, to get those things so you're gonna so what if you can surround yourself with those people so that you can evaluate the experiences as they come and you can evaluate those through lenses that are good lenses 
then you will be able to develop the experiences along the way, keep taking inputs along the way. And then as you have highs and lows in those things that you'll be able to then make the best use of those experiences and maximize the experiential capital that you've developed there by by getting those people in your life who will help you do that. So that's what I would say. Stay close to people who can be helpful to you, older, younger, same age, all those things. And then and then take things as they come as best as possible. If you want to listen to some advice along the way, sure, go do that too. But but yeah, it's really I just think it's very hard to actually increase the speed and process of getting the reps for yourself. Yeah. That's the answer, right? It's do have a great group around surround that surrounds you and do the work, right? Just keep doing the work. Don't stop your momentum. Uh, I think there's just a lot of content and different things out there that, I don't know, they conflate a lot of the way that these things work. And if you really distill down into what a lot of the clips are saying, it's you've got to work hard, do the work with an open mind and an open heart and have a great group of people around you is really what yeah. they said. So you should yep. have your own Instagram page with clips about this now. That's you just said it right now. I just can't um, do it, man. But you said the pastor thing earlier. Like I just, there's, I just have this like terrible taste in my mouth about cheesy, inspirational pastor type things. And so, like, whenever yeah. I think about the idea of 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 creating an Instagram page or whatever, I would, yeah. I don't know, I'd probably make more money if I was better at doing that kind of stuff. But I'll stick with yeah. Twitter for now and have my podcast and call it a day. No, you're, cr- you're crushing it, man. You're crushing it. I I learn so much stuff from the pod from you. And it was really, it was such a pleasure to get such an insightful deep dive into what the man behind the tweets and the pod, because the pod, like you get a sense of it, but there are certain things that you do, like they're just things that don't know. Cause you know, we don't, all things move yeah. in different directions. And so yeah. I really appreciate all of the, all of the insight you gave today. And I think it's incredibly useful and I learned a lot. And so I want to say thank you. Where should yeah, people, obviously. Chase, thanks for having me, you. man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Where should people reach out to you? Obviously, we'll link in the show notes and everything, sure. Twitter, et cetera. Where else would they interact with you? Yeah, I would say there's a few things. One would be Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. The podcast is the Andrew Ferris podcast. Like I said, you can find that where all fine podcasts are sold. And then uh, if you want to go check out anything else working with me or links to those things, it's ajfgrowth.com. Awesome. Yeah, we'll link that out as well. This was a pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Thanks again. Hey, I really appreciate you having me. It's really fun. Thank you.